0: Kia ora and welcome to another episode of How to Save the World, a sustainability podcast hosted by myself Tim
1: Batt and Waveny Worth.
0: And this is all about connecting people with their power.
1: To make a difference.
0: That's why we're here, to chat about that. And this episode specifically is about finding New Zealand's most sustainable bank – Waverney has been doing an epic amount of research and digging around and I cannot wait to hear what she's found.
1: Yeah and we I spoke with heaps of cool people even CEOs of banks. It's and amazing. Yeah I know so it's all good and um, a professor of banking at Massey University and so it's all on. So we've got what we've got Tim is five assessment points or five categories. Um, we could even do an Outstanding achiever in each category. <laughs> I don't, don't I don't think we'll manage it actually, but we might, and some cool. de- definitely some honorable shout outs because um, there's really cool stuff happening in banks. It's important
0: to acknowledge people making an effort.
1: That's right, um, E for effort, and then we'll announce our overall winner.
0: This sounds very good to me. So I assume that you will name-check a couple of people you've talked to along the way, but thank you so much to all the people who helped um, put the information together and have a chat to Wave and uh, give us the good intel.
1: All legends, all beautiful people doing cool stuff.
0: And before we get right into this, Wave, could you maybe mention just why this is important and why we're talking about this? I could say why I think, but I feel like you're probably a bit better educated on it now.
1: Oof, um well... Crikey, and money makes the world go round.
0: Exactly what I was thinking, right?
1: Yeah, it's it, it is everything. So uh, we need a future that is low carbon, circular economy. We need to basically transform our economy. Uh, with all these emergent businesses coming on that need finance, uh, uh, we need to change the way we do things and we need our banks in the right place with the right heart with the right understanding of what's happening and putting their money in the right places because banks have an incredible power
0: awesome so let's hear which ones in new zealand are doing the best job and the good thing about this is if you're listening from outside new zealand Obviously, all these criteria and the areas that we're talking about will be applicable for your region as well.
1: That's right. And these criteria have come from the conversations I've had with the experts in the field. So, without further ado, we have uh, the first criteria is their corporate sustainability so, like, that's, you know, your buildings and your fleet and all that. So, uh, that's, like,
0: physical things that make up the, the company doing the company things. Yeah. The, do we print a lot of things exactly. or do we try to keep it to yeah, e-paper yeah, yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing?
1: And then we have the corporate responsibility, which is essentially the cool stuff people are doing in terms of what they donate their money to or what their volunteers are involved in. Um, then there's the investment portfolios of the banks, which is um, – not just harm reduction, but also positive impact. Then number four is the eco-literacy of the lenders. Ooh. Yeah. It's a juicy one. It is. It's a Waveney special, that I love one. it. It came actually out of conversations with people just realizing how frustrated people uh, people in the emerging green sector are trying to communicate with their banks around new ideas with with actually a relatively low risk profile to say lending to a house by the sea Mm -hmm. but uh, new and so therefore not known so therefore a harder road to forge right so that eco literacy of being able to understand um What's coming? Yeah. You know? And, that and, the banks are well-versed yeah, in these issues. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the last category is ownership. So where profit goes and oh. what happens. Oh,
0: fantastic. I didn't know that was in there. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Excellent. So
1: um let's get on with it then so the first category oh actually let's firstly talk about who's in because okay. uh, there's actually 26 registered banks in New Zealand Whoa. which I did not know so we've got our big four uh which is ANZ, ASB, BNZ and Westpac and then I guess what I'm calling the little four um which is they're all Kiwi owned uh all those big ones are all Aussie owned um and the the little guys are relatively little. Uh, Kiwi Bank, TSB, SBS, and the cooperative bank. Have you heard of all of those? By the yeah,
0: way? I, I I was going to try and name them all. Cooperative bank would be the one that I missed, but they've actually got good advertising. Good. On.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're but, it's, but what we're focusing on is really those eight banks, which are cool. really the 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 mainstay of of personal banking in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the first firstly we're going to look at internal sustainability or corporate oh. sustainability so um interestingly Especially the big banks are doing some cool stuff in this space. They're they're quite um, advanced in terms of um, getting certification. Um, ASB is Carbon Zero certified, as are a couple of the others. Westpac is as well.
0: Can you speak really briefly to what that means, the Carbon Zero certification?
1: So, in other words, you might have an electric vehicle Mm -hmm. uh, or you're mitigating uh, your carbon that you, you do use. So if you're flying somewhere, then you'd be offsetting.
0: Gotcha. So whatever activity is creating a carbon, carbon output yep. from the business is being offset in some other way. That's right. So All that you get reduced. back to carbon neutral. Yep. And
1: the, the sustainability leads I spoke with, uh, they're really focused on reducing first mm-hmm. um, and then working out how they can offset. Gotcha. Um, and the fact that they're certified is fantastic too. Um, so there's also... A couple of interesting things. ANZ is um, a member of Ford, which is about sustainable procurement. So that's a, a whole, they're, they're a big supplier in New Zealand, uh, a big procurer, I should say. So fantastic to see that they're thinking about how they can be using that for good. Um, again Westpac's also a member of Ford um, which is to do with the Akina crew uh, which are are talking about social enterprise in New Zealand so cold seed banks in that space. Kiwi Bank has um, are establishing targets and um, they've got some they're doing some cool stuff with Green Star buildings Um, so they're, they're the ones that are Perform really well. They've got a five star green building in Wellington, and then a, a, I have actually heard of before a six star green building. They're about to move into an Auckland, um, so they're taking some of this stuff quite six seriously stars. too. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was out of five. So I think six means that it's like an actual world. Best example right. wow. of, of green, sustainable building. Amazing, and I think the cooperatives, those those smaller banks, mm. they're um they're at the I guess you'd say they're the earlier stages, and it's uh, it's quite informal. um what they're doing like for example I asked one about their fleet and they said oh um, well we've only got two cars so See, this is the thing and yeah. I think
0: we might actually be talking about this a little bit later on in a different category but almost by virtue of being a smaller bank you automatically don't have these huge carbon generating activities sometimes mm, right mm,
1: mm. one could say to that the title <laughs> is theirs to lose in terms of being <laughs> New its most right. sustainable bank like they've got such a head start yeah yeah um, so so in this space, uh, actually, I had a great conversation with, um, oh, full disclosure, the sustainability lead at Westpac is a big fan of our show.
0: Has that gotten them points?
1: Well, I did have head? a lovely conversation. <laughs> that's um, very sweet. That's, yeah. that's
0: always nice to hear.
1: Yeah, so um, she said cool stuff about what they're up to, and um, particularly with their EVs, their electric vehicles. At the moment, they're um, 30%, and they've just announced that they want to be 100% by 2025, which, you know, like a lot of other big corporates that have been in this space what it's doing is actually opening up the second hand market for evs in new zealand Mm. um because then then suddenly it's more affordable for for the rest of us um, as those you know it's turning the whole market yeah it it it? does so that's quite a cool thing to be involved in and they're they're, um a living wage employer as well so i think if i had to pick a bank in this space i might give it to westpac for a smidgen
0: congratulations westpac i'm sure that Waven is uh, opinion and, and award was not influenced <laughs> by, by a your sustainability <laughs> officer's love of our show.
1: Um, so the second category is uh, the corporate responsibility, which is around um, the, the the like you know Westpac's um, helicopter that we all know and love the, sure. the rescue helicopter. Would I be right um, in saying
0: this is almost the social impact that yes. the organisation has on the wider community that's, that's a yes. part of?
1: great great way of saying it um, but to do particularly with environmental mm-hmm. aspects and um, I think to be fair the smaller banks are, have been traditionally focused on their social r- responsibility which is fantastic and I don't want to be you know, diminishing say, that. exactly well, even saying that one's better than the other. Sure. You know, I think it's great, it's just that we're at sustainability show, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and, but we acknowledge
0: there are other issues, and exactly. yes,
1: <laughs> and um, and it's all linked anyway, actually. Totally. Uh, particularly, it's a really interesting SBS is really sitting in a um, interesting space with a um, from a social motivation, really interested in uh, being able to provide affordable housing. Um, but as we'll see uh, when we get down to the I think in the eco-literacy category when we talk about that Mm. um, what that meant was that someone from an eco-housing frame Mm -hmm. was able to approach them and talk about their project because it it actually coincided with their goals around social justice and sustainability so So it just shows the interconnectedness of the issues exactly, there's some cool links there that's great Um, so Actually, while we're talking about the small banks, the cooperative bank, they are, they're really, it's really more informal what they're doing. And I just want to give a special shout out to their green team because they sound amazing. So, so yeah, even
0: in such a small financial provider, they've got a green team. They've got a
1: green team. So, so green teams are like, um, it's a term quite commonly used in big corporates, I guess, or smaller ones, where uh, it's just a group of people, individuals that, informally get together to talk about sustainability. And they're often the champions. They might be the ones saying, We need to compost in the office or whatever. And this team of people are actually changing the culture. It was really interesting talking to um the the they don't have a sustainability lead. It's just part of, you know, one person's job. She does other things as well. And so she was saying that this team have actually changed her whole perspective on sustainability in the bank. And she's gone from thinking, Oh, that's a you know There's something to be
0: said for not having a singular sustainability officer or or equivalent position like an environmental manager or something because in some ways you can imagine psychologically everyone just sort of forget they're like oh that's taken care of we've got one of those we've got that person whereas if the load is shared a little bit other people have to take that responsibility on themselves Mm, and feed it into mm, their bit of mm. the work.
1: Yeah and these guys are just doing it sounds like they're just out there doing cool stuff and really driven to do like – just uh, tree planting days, g- uh, clean-up days, and the bank's awesome. happy to pay their wages while they're out there doing that, that stuff. It's really cool. Um, Westpac's got a cool relationship with an app that I like to use called Kogo, um, and I think I might have mentioned them before that you basically can um, look around to see um, who's sustainable in terms of the businesses you want to engage with, particularly with cafes and stuff. So um, they are partnering with Westpac to see basically just to make it a lot easier to use the app because we'll be able to access information about what people are doing a lot easier and quicker. Great. Um, And BNZ has got the Support Cody 2000 Trust, which is, yeah, surprisingly one of the only examples of a bank actually supporting a primarily green organisation. So good on them. So... I think everyone's doing some cool stuff in this space, but good on BNZ for their particular support of our precious kauri trees.
0: Totally. I think there's a lot of value to picking a, a specific project and a um, bit of a laser focus on, a, on an area and really digging in there. So are you awarding them for this category?
1: Yes, an unofficial award, yes. <laughs> They're all <laughs> unofficial. <laughs> so fun, though. Uh, well can- done, BNZ.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yes, congratulations. Uh Category three is the investment and lending portfolios.
0: This, to me, feels like the biggest one.
1: Like we're cranking it up now. We're just getting warmed up. Um, So, I discovered in the course of uh, talking to all these people from the banks that... That, the terms lending and investing shouldn't be used interchangeably. I didn't really know that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so lending is when the banks lend their... Because sometimes they'll only have a policy on one of those and not the other, which gotcha. is a bit sneaky. Yeah. So lending is when the banks lend their own money, like, a, like if you're getting a mortgage or whatever.
0: Or... A- Oil exploration offshore.
1: Yes, if you'd like to start a new oil company. Uh, Investing is when the banks are actually taking their customers' money and investing it. Like, you know, with KiwiSaver or whatever. That
0: is a bit sneaky. Because you could say that you've decarbonised your investment portfolio, but still be lending yes, yes, to yes. problematic yeah, companies yeah, and organisations. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But
1: anyway, it's a bit of a nuance because in most cases it's both or neither. Mm-hmm. Um, so all four of the big banks invest and lend to the fossil fuel sector, uh, which we've covered before. Um,
0: no congratulations to any of you top four Aussie no, banks. This yeah. is when you get a little slap on the wrist from us instead of an award. Yes,
1: no awards for you. So um, 350 Aotearoa we had Erica Finney in here um, last year.
0: Fantastic organisation please go to their website, it's so good.
1: Yes, check it out, they've got a really good table, it's up to date Um, they've reassured me on... um, who's investing what um, and there's a really good little um, ratio in there to show um, the investment for every one dollar they give to a green investment how many dollars they'll give to fossil fuel investment and so you can see that ratio so ideally you'd want that as As high as
0: possible really right
1: well yeah so if it was one to one then at least the good would be negating the bad and Mm -hmm. you'd be on zero but um In most cases, uh, they are lending, it could be 5 to 1, or I think one's as high as 12 to Um, 1. Sorry,
0: in which direction? In the bad direction. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so um, in other words, a bit of investment in the green stuff, um, but but far outweighed uh, with their commitment still to fossil fuels. Um, So then by contrast, the small banks um, are actually just too small to lend fossil fuels anyway. Um, this
0: is an interesting phenomenon.
1: Yeah, of being
0: uh, good by default, yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By virtue of being a little bit too little to be evil.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Kiwi Bank, uh, interesting because they're actually in a quite a different league to the other small banks. They're, they're much bigger, much much bigger. Right. They're kind of really in the middle, I guess. Gotcha. They're not small. They're not big, um, and they have a policy. They're only bank in New Zealand with a actual fossil fuel policy and it's a really strongly worded policy that's really robust. Um three fifty Aotearoa were singing their praises and saying how important it is for banks to be in this space claiming it and making these announcements. So their their um policy, three fifty I have said could be. They've looked, and they said they can't find a more strongly worded statement globally.
0: Wow. Because Erica, I remember when she was on our show in season one, um, couldn't talk about this because they were just working yes, out the finer right. details for yeah. 350. Yeah, but yeah. she, when we were off mic, she, she that's right. was um, a little bit bemoaning the fact that she couldn't sort of sing the praises oh, of this thing that now. was about to be yeah, announced. Yeah. So, well done, Kiwi Bank. We can finally tell the world that you're actually... Your goodies.
1: Yeah, your goodies. and um, It's so
0: good that it's the People's Bank as well of yes, New Zealand. Yes,
1: it's you know? great. It's great. Um, so I think that uh, it's, it's interesting in terms of the other banks and what's going on. I spoke with David Tripe, who's the professor of banking at Massey University, uh, and he said some really interesting stuff around divestment and basically said regardless of what anyone in the banks thinks – there will be a point when it's not in the bank's best interest to be investing in fossil fuels.
0: Totally. And I think we're heading there quicker than the big institutional financial organisations, usually big banks, think.
1: Well, and that was another thing, he said is that there's actually already really significant phasing back. You can tell that's him speaking, eh, not Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um In these areas of concern uh, because of uh, customer pressure, mm-hmm. but particularly because of this risk of stranded assets, which is... Um, you You look at me like yeah. I should well, I elaborate on that. Maybe a little. Yeah, it's like um, when you... Invest in an asset that then basically becomes defunct and you can't get your value you can't get your investments worth out of it
0: interestingly, a smaller example of this in the financial markets happened with oil this year where oil became um, it had a, a net negative value so instead of oil being at like forty dollars a barrel or a hundred dollars a barrel, it was like negative five dollars a barrel. It was a, if, if You should Google it if you want to have the full like read up on what happened. But basically, there were a bunch of financial contracts that came up um, where you've got to basically take ownership of the oil. And because of when they were placed, the worldwide demand for oil had fallen through the floor because of COVID and some other things as well. And so basically, whoever was left holding these contracts on this particular date had to store this oil that no one had a desire to have. So what? they went into a negative value. Amazing. These, it like was never expected to happen, ever, that oil would have this negative value. It was a bit of a black swan event, as they say in the financial markets, but it's, it's more like, to me, it read as a real ringing bell of just the direction that oil and fossil fuels are going in. Yes, and
1: that's what the experts are saying. I also spoke with Gary Coates, who's CEO of Mindful Money, and they're another uh, group we've shouted out to before um – particularly in the ethical investment scene in New Zealand. Um, Really good tools. Definitely go and check them out. Um, So he's just saying it doesn't make any sense that some of these funds are actually increasing their investment in fossil fuels Um, because all of the data is actually showing that, like, for example, the US Oil and Gas Index has dropped by 63% over the last five years, which is quite...
0: a lot. Is
1: yeah. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Five
0: years is not a long time. 63 is a lot of percent.
1: Yeah, yeah. And actually, interestingly, Westpac, uh, probably, I would say, responding to some of these global trends, they've actually, Westpac New Zealand has dropped uh, 61% of their lending to fossil fuels in the last couple of years. Um, and they've, they've also announced that they're not going to be investing in coal anymore in New Zealand. So, yeah,
0: I mean... Good on you, but come on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> seems a
0: bit like base level, you know. Yeah,
1: well, this is it. I guess it's just reflecting this trend yes, that uh, yes. David Professor David tripes has been um, highlighting. Um, so, just while we're at really quick, I just found it. This is basically a side, a segue, mm. because I found it so interesting um, when I was talking with the professor about. I was like, come on, man! Like, what, what, what? Why can't these banks just? do it you know yeah. like sure i get that they'll lose money but what if that someone actually did why do they have these goals like saying well by you know 2035 we'll be doing this or that you know yeah. why can't they just do it yeah and he said well you can't you can't just pull out an investment you know it's stuff i hadn't really thought about before but basically when you've loaned money that money has to be repaid so you can't just pull out if you're the person who's lent the money. Right. And you can't just demand that they pay it all back because they can't. The loans are over a term. It's like suddenly if your bank said, oh, you owe us 500000 for your mortgage and you need to give it to me right now because I've decided to pull out. Yeah, and right. And so, so the option really is if they withdraw finance halfway through, it means that they could lose everything because the debtor doesn't have the ability to pay back the loan.
0: That is a very common sense argument. I had never argument. ever thought yeah. about that before. Yeah. So
1: he thinks that the timelines that they're they're they're, they're saying mm. could actually be shorter. But um, he said, you know, he's not an expert in that, and and certainly said that there would be no problem with pulling out of lending to new projects.
0: That seems like the key, right? Yeah,
1: and I think that um, they are. So these big banks still are lending to new projects. Yeah, yeah, and that
0: is a problem
1: it particularly just to point out it's about who owns these banks you know like um if, if you're gonna make a distinction and say oh but you know our new zealand branch doesn't do this all that it's like well this i think it's thing. fair enough to look at the the entire company
0: i mean we brushed over it but these big four banks that operate in new zealand are all australian owned and the australian economy has for the last several several decades, like 100 years really, it's been built a lot on resource extraction. That's
1: true. Much more than we have, eh? Exactly. we've had resource extraction, but not so much in the whole type.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm not an expert or anything, but I don't think it constitutes like as as big a portion of our GDP as it would for Australia. They've gotten very rich off of pulling things out of the earth and either shipping it to other places or burning it for energy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whereas, I mean, I'm meaning our resource extraction has been more like extracting from our land Yeah, Uh, the you know dairying and um, Mm. trees and stuff. So the other, the flip side of uh, the investing and lending portfolios is what they're doing on the good side, the boosting good side, because it's such a powerful thing where you put your money. Um, It's
0: not just about saying no to some people; it's about saying yes to others.
1: Exactly, and um, I think that well, so the people I spoke to who are from, I guess the green sector spoke. It was a mixed bag, I think. There was basically the sentiment that they're, they're, you've got good people in these banks um, that are trying to do the right thing, but actually finding it really hard um, to either find information or to share the information that they have. Um, it's just that it's new mm. and um, tricky. So bank has got a solar subsidy, which is cool. It's great to give it a shout out here. Um, if you have a solar project and you've got a mortgage with them, you can get $2,000 cash back on your investment. Wow. But you try and find that on their website if you don't know it's there. It's all right if you know it's there. You You can do some Googling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They've also got social inclusion and well-being lending policies. Um, SBS, I mentioned before, have got their affordable housing projects and products. Um, BNZ have... uh, given out it sounds like an awful lot until you see that ratio but still it is what it is over two almost three billion of green and sustainable um bonds to help this build the sustainable economy great good on them and
0: i mean that that seems to me like what it's about to really affect some changes like get the existing financial instruments that they have and that these banks are kind of built on yes and fire them in the right direction, yep. which is towards green investment. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Barry Coates from Mindful Money was happy to call it. He said, "Well, if I had to call it, I reckon BNZ would be perhaps doing the best. Um, they've got some really good, really good project with Good Shepherd, which is no interest loan scheme uh, for people who need it. So cool to see stuff happening. Westpac's got the Warm Up Loan, um, which is all about providing." Um, of interest-free for five years to help make homes warmer and drier. Awesome. Well done to you all.
0: Yeah. Congratulations, BNZ. Yes. And shout-out, Westpac. And shout-out all of the banks, actually, because it all seems like you've got divergent programs that are doing good in their own (laughs) specific ways. Everyone's
1: actually put some effort in there. Um, Category four, the eco-literacy of lenders. So – this was actually a really interesting one to even explain when I was ringing up talking to the banks.
0: You mentioned it to me. I didn't know what it was.
1: Do you know all? what it is now? No. Nope. <laughs> so um, it is how well lenders understand the strength and risk factors, and even the values and the goals, I guess, of green enterprises. So banks would or insurance companies that if you if you go to them. With um, you know, you want to get a mortgage or start a business or whatever. Um, it's just they're very familiar with a, a set of guidelines that we've been using to build our economy for the last hundred odd years. Yeah. Um, and so long as we're sort of in that pathway, it, whether it's a good or a bad assessment, it's known. Yes. Um, but we have um a task. All of us to be completing in the next, you know, decade or end on is of transforming our economy really to to quite different. So at the moment, enterprises are basically about maximising output and certainly maximising profit. Um, and we've got a whole lot of new emerging businesses with quite different ways of doing and seeing things because they've they've got a different value and they've got a different goal or purpose, which is to. Um, transition to a uh, low-carbon economy or or a circular economy or a more just society or whatever. So they're motivated by different things. These businesses have always been around, but the scale and scope is changing really, really fast. Yeah, it seems
0: like whereas every – like the word business just meant an organisation that was following a profit motive and the law. And now this social enterprise sector, we've talked about – on multiple episodes on season one is comprising like more and more of our whole economy.
1: In yeah, this well, so by the fact that, you know, I mentioned before this this um, social procurement agency called Ford that the banks are actually able to sign up with and go, sure, we'll get all of our procurement in a socially sustainable way. It's like that wouldn't have been possible yeah. um, 10 years ago, five yeah. even. So I think the easiest way perhaps is just to look at a couple of case studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got Trent from Queenstown who's a prefab entrepreneur Um, the thing about prefabs is that they are um, a a relatively affordable way to get an eco house Uh, eco houses are notoriously more expensive and a lot of people end up building them themselves and it takes seven years or whatever not for everyone (laughs) everyone. so prefabs is a a, a really viable way of cracking that model Um, so I'm just going to read out a quote from Trent eco literacy doesn't exist in the banks as far as I can see Actual financial risk management of the banks, in my mind, is far from solid. I always talk about the chasm of risks and the chasm of risk in the circumstances. He's talking about prefabs, he said it is deep and narrow whilst a build is between prefab and delivery, but that time is relatively short and could be insured. After that, the building quality increases, the operational energy drops, maintenance drops, human health, air. Uh, quality increases resale and rentability increases maintenance costs decrease and therefore on the total lifetime balance of risk uh, is massively decreased and it is a much better economic outcome for the bank he is not able to this is he's a he's a already an established successful business person mm. in Queenstown he is finding it hard to have the time given to him to explain this to a bank. Sure. Um, he approached all the major banks and then, in the end, he ended up directly approaching this is what I referenced earlier the CEO of SBS, who is known for his passion uh, for providing affordable homes. And it was only through that that, that, that basically said, yep, yeah, let's just get this deal done. But basically, that's how hard it was. Um, and it was
0: only through good fortune that the CEO happens to be very interested in this he was
1: already field. literate in in this field mm. of of providing affordable housing, and so that was the avenue that that Trent was able to go down. Um, And I guess it's really important to say I'm not meaning some sort of um, positive discrimination here, sort of saying, oh, well, you know, it's pretty bloody risky, but because you're doing good things, we'll we'll cut you a break. Um, We're not meaning that at all. I'm I'm meaning about a fair risk assessment.
0: That's such an important distinction. So it seems to me like it is a genuine ignorance from the banks about the... Economic potential of these projects because they just don't know about these areas of the economy and they don't know about these businesses and how they operate and what their risk profiles are.
1: Yeah, that's they just right. haven't looked into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, the chief exec of Kiwi Bank um, said at the end of the day, and this basically sums up the section banks price for risk. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Um, but it's just about how can we get the banks to. Do the, some learning in this space. Yeah, because
0: um, they'll say no if they don't understand.
1: Yes, yeah. They,
0: they will never invest in something or loan, uh, lend rather, to someone that they don't understand what the risk profile is.
1: That's right. I had really good conversations with everyone I spoke to at the banks about this. Um, most cases, it was something that they'd never thought of before. Huh. And and there wasn't any bank that was able to say, we're aware that this is an issue and this is what we're doing about it. Wow, um, you've got to give
0: them Trent's number connect them up <laughs>
1: there's lots of people that are really now that they have thought about it are are interested in and in what they could be doing differently and um Another another case study. It's um, pretty
0: cool. Is that off the back of your conversations with them?
1: Yes, That's it is. awesome. Isn't that cool? But it's is You were just
0: going digging around and you might have actually affected quite a lot of change cool? just yeah. through virtue of um, poking about. Who knows? About.
1: Who knows? But it's one of those things, though, eh? that sort of collective consciousness of totally. things. That, and um, Sean, who I spoke to from Ford, said, the social procurement agency, said that when he goes and talks to banks about this stuff, They're so amped, and it's like it's Christmas because they actually, this is a field that everybody wants to be in it.
0: You want to know the next big profitable thing, right? Yeah, exactly. They
1: want to be there. So it's not like that there's a, a. barrier there just because people are being bastards about it at all yeah. um it's kind of the opposite it's like people are keen but it's 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 really hard isn't yes. it? it's what this whole show is about of just getting out of our grooves of behavior and no and stuff and stepping into something else that isn't trickier but the stepping out is trickier
0: i couldn't think of a more risk averse organization than a bank
1: yes you thank know, goodness right like they've got our money yeah
0: it's true but um, in terms of getting the wheels of change to turn, that is a very tricky place yes. to get those wheels moving Yes, because yes. they're very used to doing things the way they've always been doing them and they understand how things have always worked for you know decades or centuries. This is how we operate. This is what yep. we do. This yep. is how the world works. Yep. And when the world starts changing, it does sometimes take them a little while to catch up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly Um, Another case study Is uh, a dairy farmer In Manawatu Called uh, He's actually His sister's a mate of mine Sam Hogg And he faced questions From his bank About switching To regenerative And organic practices So it's Their established farm Been farming conventionally And then when they Made the switch Suddenly the bank's not comfortable wow which is really interesting um and their milk production fell as a result i guess of the switch but also there was a big drought yeah um and they're saying no no this is fine this is in hand this is part of our model um and with fewer and cheaper imports the premium prices for organic products um The the farm is expected to be more profitable soon, but not necessarily ever with um, with that turnover as high as it was. Um, They were actually featured in uh, the latest issue of New Zealand Geographic, which I can put in the show notes. Um, And this is, again, it's coming back to this eco-literacy. For a bank to be able to understand that when they switch their practices – those vet bills are going down like dramatically, which is a significant cost. Mm. Um, and the fertilizer bill's gone down, etc. Uh, so many of these expected running costs are either out or down, yeah. Um, so these guys shouldn't be having an issue yeah. at all going to a bank. And, you know, I'm hoping that in the near future um, things will change. Heck
0: yeah. That's really worrying, to be honest. So, to yeah, that apparently, as soon as farmers want to diverge from the very intense dairy model that we've been using in this country for a long time, you know, they can put themselves in strife yeah, with the bank.
1: Yeah, well, so it's interesting. I hadn't realised either until I, I spoke with my mate about this who said that um, it's okay if you don't have a lot of debt. Yeah, Um, You can make the change. But if you're carrying a lot of debt... Which uh, a lot of farmers do. Yeah, a lot do. Then, um, yeah. Mm. It's it's a tricky one.
0: Good opportunity there for either an existing bank or maybe a a startup financial institute for anyone listening.
1: Specializing
0: in sustainable farming. Starting your own bank. Yeah, why not?
1: Well, I'll give you a good reason why not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The good reason is... That apparently you need 30 million to apply for a license to be a bank in New Zealand. It's quite a lot. It's a lot. I think it's a bad idea.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying we should do it, Wave.
1: Category five. What is it? Ownership.
0: Okay. We touched on this at the start of the episode, or is this about a different kind of ownership?
1: No, this is about stock standard ownership. So um, our four big banks are all the owned. That's ASB, Westpac, BNZ, anz and um, Z, which means that the profit and directorship is out of our control, essentially, um, um, all off to Aussie. So um, I, I guess I included this. There were a few people I spoke to, that highlighted this as an issue which was a re- I didn't start with this as mm. one of my categories um, John Berry CEO of Pathfinder Asset Manager Management which is an ethical investment fund in New Zealand um, highlighted the following in this um, category you want, who owns the banks um, are they listed are they accountable to shareholders which may be a profit maximisation motive are they offshore owned or are they locally owned where do the profits go It's something that, again, the smaller banks just do well by default. Um, But so he uh, know. So it's interesting because there's a correlation with the um, those large Aussie-owned banks. They've actually had a lot of controversy over the recent years. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So a lot of people would have heard of the Australian Royal Commission. it exposed some terrible practices that I just wouldn't have thought we would have had in, in New Zealand or Australia. I don't know where I would have thought you might have had it, but not this close to home because it sounds, really it is genuinely dodgy stuff. Um, and he was saying what actual changes, that's John Berry from Pathfinder Asset Management, what a- actual changes, including leadership, have happened since. So I guess that's sort of a, A leading question from John Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, Commonwealth Bank of Australia Owner of ASB Conceded it was the gold medalist At charging fees without providing any service
0: Um, Congrats dickheads
1: (laughs) (laughs) National Bank of Australia uh, Which is the owner of BNZ Revealed over half a million consumers had to be compensated for fraudulence, errors or breaches in responsible lending practices. My God. ANZ is accused of providing one in 20 customers with financial advice that was not in their best interests. Whoa. And Westpac.
0: That's really bad.
1: Westpac CEO resigned in 2019 amidst 23 million breaches of money laundering, the biggest such case in Australian history and you know what wave
0: we've been given out a lot of awards we've been giving out a lot of pats on the back i'm kind of glad that we've got this counterbalance of a wider picture of what's happening with these big financial institutions it's good, as to, well. have
1: the, it's good to have the wider yeah, picture
0: a fuller picture yeah
1: yeah amps well, I, they're not included in in what we're doing here today but um the same thing their ceo resigned as well um they're smaller banks in new zealand but just behave totally differently. So it's not just that the profit is coming back into the New Zealand pocket and going around and around in our economy, um, but it, we're, we're able to control them more and they seem to be motivated differently. Um, so Kiwi Bank is New Zealand government owned, which by default is us, isn't it? We mm-hmm. own it. Um, and then, we, I mean, talking about it, um, but to actually explain it, uh, TSB... SBS and the Cooperative bank are cooperative banks which means they're owned by the people who bank with them
0: which means I don't I don't know if you know this I could have this a bit wrong the profit kind of like goes back into those shareholders right that's right
1: yep yep so they get a rebate annually it's not it's not like masses but it's it's um, better than getting fees the other Abs- way and, and it's, having
0: it's better than because the alternative to this is like with those big four Australian banks, they're answerable to shareholders, which you just sort of touched on earlier, the shareholder model, which can have an enormous impact on your ability to make any change. Because when you have shareholders that you have to answer to, the CEO and the board have a fiduciary responsibility to maximise profits. If you're not doing that, the board can actually get rid of you as CEO. If you're not doing everything you can to squeeze every dollar and cent out of the actions that your organisation takes you're actually failing to do your job properly which is why the shareholder model is quite freaky and why these co-ops and privately owned um, financial institutions as well can be a way better option because they have more scope to be able to act not entirely with the profit motive but to have some other inputs governing their decisions
1: mm, mm, well said uh, I couldn't have said it better it's um, yeah it's inspiring that we've got them thank goodness that we do eh? and
0: it, to me it sort of mirrors nature right it's like and we always talk about diversity and how important it is in our ecosystems to have a massive diversity it is in our banking system as well mm. To maybe it's a healthier way to have these smaller lenders who were doing different things rather than consolidate all our money into like you know, two, three, four massive banks mm. because if something goes wrong with them, you know, we mm. all know the phrase too big to fail from 2008.
1: Mm. Mm. True. Are we ready for our overall winner?
0: I am excited.
1: So, in summary, banks are full of good people. Yep. If we just go back to, uh, I guess, how we started. that Did we give out
0: an award for that last category, by the way?
1: Who would we give it to?
0: <laughs> this is your... I think it
1: has to be a tie between our cooperative banks.
0: Well done, co-ops. Yep. Proud of you. They're awesome.
1: Uh, So, yeah, just to summarise the the highlights of our our episode, that banks are actually full of of genuine people that are involved with genuine sustainability initiatives. Um, But what we need to do is pull back and look at our big problems and um, the big solutions and... Particularly, um, well, I guess the thing that comes to mind is if, if, if this was an episode about the power that, say, the UN has to make a difference, it would be surprising to hear them talk about the photocopy of paper that they use.
0: <laughs> Quite right.
1: You know, they're a powerful institution. Yeah, that and is it, not
0: where they make it, their most that, change. That's
1: <laughs> right, uh, David, Professor David Tripe, who I mentioned earlier, Professor of Banking at Massey University. Uh, when I asked him what he thought that a sustainable bank looked like, he <laughs> said, well, we'll know it when we see it. Another <laughs> <way>. <laughs> so he's fantastically reserved. Um, and he said, really, in terms of banks, it has to be in terms of their core business, mm. uh, which is what they put their money into. Mm. Um, I also sp- I had a great conversation with Helen Dew from Living Economies, um, which I'd love once we get through... Uh, our grand announcement of our winner um, I'd love to just also spend a little bit of time on if there are any better alternatives for for what we do with our money so Living Economies is a great website to check out um, if you're interested in that space
0: link in the show notes
1: she she says the number one thing would be local ownership Um, Erica Finney from 350 Aotearoa um, no prices for guessing what her category would have been. She says the most important thing is a fossil fuel exclusion policy um, and went on to say that our Australian-owned banks are culpable for the continued burning of fossil fuels that are causing climate breakdown and mentioned that they have collectively, since 2016, poured in $35.5 billion into coal, oil and gas. Not great. She doesn't pull her punches. Um, Gary Kalk, the Zero Waste Network finance guy, I asked him what his job title was.
0: (laughs) That was his official business card title.
1: (laughs) He said a cool thing that it comes from the top. So he's saying, listen to what the CEO is saying. Uh, because actually ultimately everything flows through the organisation. And Mm. he he noticed, uh, or I guess shouted out to Sean Dryley from SBS, um, doing some cool stuff with the Southland Housing Action Forum. Um, And also the Kiwi Bank CEO who wanted personally to front the fossil fuel announcement, uh, which is interesting because often, you know, you could get your sustainability lead talking about that stuff. Um, Barry Coates from Mindful Money said, same as the professor get your investment policy right and then your lending policy right um, and again check out Mindful Money for um, information on how you can find out if your bank's investing well so in summary Tim we've got banks doing some good things the big banks are particularly I think strong with supporting the charity sector and leading the way with their operational sustainability um, but if we focus on where banks have their power and what their transformational power is, you know, we've got to look at primarily their core business. Mm. Um, and I think some of our experts we've spoken to have nailed it. We're looking at core business, whether they're locally owned, um, what the CEOs are saying. Um, and really, I think we've got a really good example, um, I guess, of a bank doing really, really well, um, which I, I think I'd be happy to... <gasps> announce
0: I'm waiting as the
1: how to save the world winner of the most sustainable bank in New Zealand with
0: bated breath it
1: would be Kiwi Bank
0: Kiwi Bank the people's bank woo that's not their slogan by the way I just made that up but I think it's cool
1: the Kiwi owned of course uh, they could have the strongest policy in the world for not lending to or investing in fossil fuel, fuels.
0: That's amazing.
1: And they're fur- I think the thing is, is that they're a bit further down the track than those smaller banks. At this stage, they could be caught up quite quickly um, from the conversations I had. But with their lending policy, obviously, uh, and their sustainability goals and actions, they've, they've actually thought about it. Um, and they're a bit... They're a bit um, I guess it's been a higher priority. Um Yeah, and at the same time, they're avoiding some of those bigger issues or all of the bigger issues that the bigger banks have. Yeah.
0: When you ever get frustrated that government doesn't do anything good or anything good for you, Kiwi Bank, remember? Kiwi Bank. The People's Bank, we did that.
1: Yeah, didn't we? It's
0: a state-owned enterprise spawned from the government from memory to try and combat the sort of predatory lending practices of the Australian banks and their profit extraction back to Aussie so thank god it exists and it's so heartening and gratifying to hear that they're taking sustainability so seriously and that is i think a pat on the back that that we can take as new zealanders because that is as a direct result of the pressure um that we put on and the accountability that we demand of of our government and things that are attached to our government and done in our government's name and in our name
1: yep absolutely um I also bust want out to. a round of
0: our national anthem in Tereo. Oh, well, I might a just tear in the eye.
1: Not say what I was about to say then. What's that? That actually, there's a few examples overseas of people doing it better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. It's good to be aspirational too. Um,
1: to I would goals. love people to check out Bank Australia. Um, they are a small. Cooperative Bank, and this is what I could actually see. I could see easily next year, SBS or Cooperative Bank taking this our title out. Oh, we're doing it annually, it's cool. Why not? Yeah, we should make a trophy up. Yes, let's do it. So, someone could easily inhabit this space, it's just there for the taking. Check out Bank Australia, they're just they have basically decided to claim that green space and be really genuine in what they're doing. Um, so that's what I if, I if I was an Australian that's definitely where I'd be banking um, because they they really understand what we need in, cool. in our near future
0: which brings us to the end of our quest to find New Zealand's most sustainable bank congratulations to Kiwi Bank thank you so much Waveney for the huge amount of work and research that you did and talking to all of these fabulous yeah, people. all the
1: people, yeah. Thank yeah. you.
0: And thank you to all the people that talked away, Vinnie, um, for for giving you time to um, help us get the good information out there to our listenership. We've got some bonus content as well, which we're going to put on a little kind of mini episode addendum to this. So check your podcast feeds um, for that coming out. What is – what? give a little tease, Wave. What's coming up in there?
1: Well, if you thought – actually, I wonder if there's more – a more sustainable option than just actually a bank mm-hmm. like is there something better we can be doing with our money can we get out of out of a traditional bank uh and really start getting super green uh is that possible can we do that in new zealand what are our options
0: if you got a few bucks kicking around and you're wondering where to put it tune into that but for now thank you so much for listening please share with your friends join us on uh the instagram The Facebook, the
1: website. The
0: website which is how to save the world.nz which has got our socials and all of the um these links and links to things that we've talked about are in the show notes as well.
1: Next week we're gonna or next fortnight we're gonna be talking about what is the deal with hemp.
0: Thanks wave. Kakite.